0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's great to be back home and be back on the radio with you. Uh, I think we both traveled over to uh, the mother country. Kind of. Kind of. (laughs) Kind of. Hey, do you know what they call Thanksgiving in Great Britain? Thursday.
2: Thursday? (laughs) (laughs) Thursday. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, uh, no, it was it was delightful. The boy um, in London did have a Thanksgiving meal.
1: Did they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because so many Americans stay there as well. Right. Um, but no, we, were, we we got home before Thanksgiving. Had our kids in town. Had a wonderful time. But our trip to uh, where I've been for the last couple of weeks is about out of the country, and it's been it was delightful. It was delightful. I heard break, uh, but partly because we played golf in Ireland. That's uh, that's another reason why it was so good. But it's good to be back. I don't know if you noticed, David, but um, America is still standing yeah we're still standing barely at the airports coming in as you mentioned off air barely at the at the airport uh all my friend, friends that are immigration lawyers listening to this David got put into secondary inspection coming back into the u s because he grew a beard on vacation. <laughs> This is uh, this is your government at work. Um, all the immigration lawyers are chuckling now, David. That uh, that happened to you of all people uh, to get put. In. And your wife's going, "What did you do?" I just
2: imagine, "What did you do?" You yeah. Anything? And, and it kept <laughs> on. You know, when uh, I, I'd gotten through that stupid thing, yeah. And 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 they're really, uh, how can I say it? Uh, so official, they wrote done. <laughs> 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 Done. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, we we lived through that, and uh, uh, then when we came into the states, uh, or we were in, and and uh, we did our passport things and all that stuff, and and uh, on the end of the the little piece of paper, my thing was crossed out. Really. Yeah, and then it had printed out, mine and my wife's at the same time. And this was after the beard incident. Right. (laughs) So we had to go to another line, you know. (laughs) It was like, hey, you know, I'm a taxpaying citizen. Oh, no, David, they don't care what you are.
1: They don't care that you pay taxes. Find that out quickly. Uh, Did you notice the dude with the assault rifle as you're leaving the airport, as you're leaving customs? The dude has an assault rifle. No, you know, oh no, they're there! Every time I go, there's a dude with an assault rifle as you leave customs in Atlanta. He may have been using the bathroom. What What is he having an assault rifle for? What are they expecting to actually happen coming off an airplane into the airport?
2: I mean, well, it's. Did you hear about the? We were going down towards for dinner reservations mm-hmm. towards the Oxford Station area uh-huh. when the when they reported the. Our cab was going this way. Everybody else was running this way, you know? Oh, really? uh, Yeah, they had an incident. Well, it turned out to be nothing, you know? Somebody thought they heard gunfire and, you know, so, I mean, cops... Black car cops that, uh, I mean, they, they.
1: Oh, they're serious over in the oh, UK now. You know, oh, you, you know you and I have been serious. there when, when you know, th- 30 years ago when it was like the Bobbies and they didn't have guns and stuff. Oh, that's all different now.
3: Oh, oh that's all yes. very different now.
1: um But that's, you know, we're talking about that's showing the terrorists have won.
2: You're right. You know, they, they, don't they, have to, they don't have
1: to do a thing. They no. can drop a pencil and, and. And we have literally let that change our lives. And no more so is that true well, than an immigration. Change,
2: what would change it by? How
1: can can you change it back? I don't know if you can change it back at this point unless you're um, willing to change the culture. I mean, right now the culture is we make everybody afraid, and if they're afraid, we can control you. Fear is used to control people. And so terrorists try to use fear to to convince you to go to their side or to adopt their beliefs or to let them do what they want to do. The government uses fear to, to do the exact same thing. I mean, Trump ran on a campaign of fear, didn't he? Uh, Mexicans are coming in to rape all our women. The Muslims are coming in to destroy America. I mean, he literally runs his whole presidency based on fear. Uh, that, you know, I will tell you that I don't think I grew up in that situation. You know, we had Vietnam. I was afraid to go to Vietnam growing up. Uh, but that wasn't a nationwide sense of fear. Um, they have you living in fear. Like you go out of the house, uh, uh, you look at your Oh, be Make sure you watch your kids because uh, the rapist dude is going to come steal your kids. So you can't let them go down the street alone on their bike. I mean, we live now in fear all the time, I, David. I don't think that's reversible at this point. Uh, short of the second coming of Jesus, I don't know what's going to stop uh, people from being afraid. Uh, other than individual decisions, say I'm just refuse to be afraid. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take that fear with me wherever I go.
2: Um. Two other things that you'll love. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Second time it's happened to me, happened to m- my wife and myself. 1.30 in the morning, the fire alarm goes off in the hotel. Oh no! Oh, no! No
1: no! Oh, oh
2: I mean, and I thought it was just in our room initially. You oh, know? of course this because that I mean, thing's oh, loud. What, 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 what have I done? Here? And uh, then I stepped out in the hall, and that one's going off. So we have. Everybody, we were on the fifth floor. Everybody's down, staircase, down the staircase, and and I thought, well, my God, you know, this is a pretty. Decent was this place. in London or was this outside? No, of London? this was in, in London. Uh-huh. Oh man! And uh, like I said, the Savoy. You know, um, so this is Savoy? Yeah. <laughs> Look at so, the Savoy. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, we'll have every fireman in in London in there. London there, or they don't. What do they call them? They're like bucket brigades or something. We call them, but anyway. So finally, you know, this thing's been going off and going off and going on, and two firemen walk in. You know, you all are going to put it on. One of them's carrying <laughs> his oxygen; it doesn't even have it strapped. He's carrying it. <laughs> you know, so uh. come to find out, it some jerk had come in, evidently with one too many or whatever, uh-huh. and uh, pulled an alarm or something. One of those little glass boxes. Oh yeah! Decided to break it and see what would happen. Oh,
1: gee, what an idiot. Well,
2: you know, I, you know,
1: going back to this thing about fear, though, this is what Trump has built the whole immigration system is he's trying to make America afraid of immigrants. Facts just don't matter. But here's where David, and finally, employers, people who use the immigration system, are realizing. What individual family members and people in deportation have now known for uh, over a year uh, is that Trump is radically changing the U.S. immigration system without changing the U.S. immigration system. Now, Trump's stated intention is to eliminate legal immigration to America, to replace our current system with an inoperable point system uh, which only lets in t- single 25 to 31-year-olds uh, and not anybody in their family uh, and literally just stops immigration. It's, it's, the, it's the orgasmatronic wish list of uh, the anti-immigration eugenics movement uh, chaired by FAIR and CIS and the Tanton Network of people. Uh, but he's filled the agencies with these people. And here's what's happened, David, uh, on in a very specific basis. The immigration service, USCIS, has now begun to implement Trump's Buy American Higher Immigration Policy, Higher America First policy, by making adjudicatory decisions in a way that make approvals significantly more difficult. Uh, and we have employers who are now getting denials of cases. Renewals, for example, of visas that had previously been approved that are now disapproved. For example, we had one with a client just this week, just yesterday, where the man had been on an H-1B visa as a specialty worker. He has a bachelor's degree. He does a job, requires a bachelor's degree. On the extension, CIS says, we don't think this job requires a bachelor's degree, even though the same agency had approved it three years before. And the employer's like, you know, lawyer, what did you do wrong? We didn't do anything wrong. We did exactly what we did before and more, knowing what they look for. They literally just changed how they interpret the law. Now, what's good about this, uh, from our perspective, is we will take this to federal court and we win. Uh, The federal government doesn't just get to change how they view things. That's not how it works. There's a thing called the Administrative Procedures Act. If they're going to change an interpretation of a law or how they look at a law... They have to actually publish that in a federal register. They, change, and they have to announce that. They go through a rulemaking process. They can't just willy-nilly change it. Um, but this is one of thousands of cases that have been happening now for the last six to eight months. Once Trump's minions got into the, in the agency like USCIS, you began to see this happen. Um, it, it's kind of a virtual wall. We're never going to build a border wall. It's just not going to happen. I mean, the Congress is not going to spend $25 billion on a the wall. They might put up little sections, but you know they're always putting up sections and replacing sections that are falling down. But they're never going to build a 2,000-mile-long wall across the southern border. But you can put up a virtual wall by making legal immigration so hard that people just don't do it, or they do it in much lesser numbers. Uh, we're seeing this most dramatically right now, David, in student visas. Now, student visa holders in the United States, I'm going to look at it historically. Uh, prior to 9-11, there was about 700,000 or so foreign students in our universities and colleges. Uh, that dropped dramatically uh, to about a half a million after 9-11, but then it gradually worked its way back up. And I don't have the final numbers, but the last year the Obama administration was somewhere upwards of a million foreign students attending U.S. universities and colleges. Uh, that's important to universities and colleges because one, generally, they pay bigger money to go to our schools. particularly state schools, they pay the high tuition. But it's also important because almost, I think over 70% now of the graduate students in STEM degrees, science, technology, engineering, math, at U.S. university colleges are foreign students. Over 70%. Somebody told me it was 80%, but at least 70%. Um, and you say, okay, we're going to stop giving so many visas to these people. What's, what do you think is going to happen? It's not that there aren't U.S. citizens applying for the program. They're applying, and they get in. There aren't enough applying to those fields. And we know that the STEM degrees are really the future of our economy. That's just, it's obvious. It's the future of our economy. And if only immigrants, only non-immigrants, student visa holders are non-immigrants, they're not immigrants, they're non-immigrants, um, come here and then leave, they're taking the knowledge that we give them to improve their own economy in their own home countries. Now here's what's interesting. The numbers of student visa holders for applicants for new visas have dropped 20% in the last year. That is a massive. I mean, you're talking about 200,000 person drop. It's a massive drop, which has far ranging implications for colleges and universities in the United States. A virtual wall. Now, you're not going to, people will still come, but maybe that one person that will develop that one new technology that changes the world says, you know what? I think I'll stay in China and go to college, or I think I'll go to Germany and go to college instead of coming to the U.S., and we don't get the benefit of that. Immigration carries with it so many benefits that are intentionally overlooked and covered up by the eugenics people, that you just don't get ultimately uh, the full picture. But we know now, with this virtual wall that's coming out, uh, that the Trump administration, regardless of whether Congress acts or doesn't act on immigration, is going to build their wall. Uh, and that will, will be in, in much more difficult application. I'll give you a great example. Just last week, or I guess two weeks ago now, uh, USCIS announced a change in policy. And this goes to the case I just told you about. The policy change is this. We are no longer bound by prior determinations of eligibility for visas. That's the announcement. So if we approved you before for a visa, doesn't mean we're going to extend you. We can change our minds. Now, the reason that policy has existed for the last 20 years was to cut down on work. If adjudication has been made under normal adjudicatory standards and somebody's been approved, why would you waste resources going back and spending an equal or more time re-adjudicating that application? Why would you do that? Why would you reinvent the wheel? Let's take a, we'll talk about that in a second when we come back here on our next segment on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio.
4: Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net.
5: Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on americaswebradio.com.
1: Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verifying your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national... Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, we are just talking about this virtual wall that Trump is building. Uh, another virtual wall went up. David, you know that Haiti uh, appears to have a special place in, in God's pantheon of hatred <laughs> uh, because every bad thing happens to Haiti. And what's weird is it doesn't necessarily happen to the Dominican Republic, which is on the same freaking island. Earthquakes, hurricanes—I mean, Haiti has just been really dist- physically and moral, and, and, and not morally, but emotionally, destroyed uh, by by cataclysmic events. As a result, six years ago, six or seven years ago, the Obama administration allowed Haitians who were in the United States when those events occurred to claim what's called temporary protected status. Says, we're not going to send you back to your country if sending you back to your country is going to cause harm to your country. We're going to let you stay here for a period of time. Temporary protected status. Um, Haiti is very, while it may be better than the weeks after the hurricane and the tornado, they're not much better. Uh, but this week, Trump, uh, last week, Trump ended uh, temporary protected status for Haitians um, and is ordering them all to leave the country. There are 60,000 Haitians in the U.S. under this provision, and has ordered them to leave the country. They have uh, 18 months uh, from January 2018 to gather their goods and leave, Uh, so they have until July 2019 to leave the United States or get another legal status. Now, David, here's what's interesting about that. A lot of those Haitians have been here for a decade or longer, if, and they don't have deportation orders. They, they either are going to physically leave themselves or if Trump wants them to leave, really, he will go out and start arresting them and putting them in deportation proceedings. So let's say they want to – let's say 10 percent of them have well, – let's say 20 percent of deportation orders, 12,000 of deportation orders. That means 48,000. If they say, you know what? I'm not going to go back to that country. I might not I might no longer have a work permit. I might not any longer have a uh, uh, have legal status in the U.S., but I'm not leaving because I'm not going back to that country. It's too dangerous and it's too bad and there's no place to live and there's no place, no food to eat. Uh, I'm going to stay here. So if Trump wants to get rid of them, he has to put them in deportation procedures. Many of them have kids. Uh, many of them have been here for a decade, which means they're eligible for relief in deportation called cancellation removal. So let's say half of them have that. So that means there's 25,000 more people that Trump would need to have hearings for in immigration court, adding to the already large, over 600,000 case backlog in immigration court. The same thing is probably about to happen, David, as part of this virtual wall, to El Salvadorans uh, and Hondurans. There are approximately 350,000 Hondurans and Salvadorans in the U.S. who have been on temporary protected status now for almost 18 years any of them that don't have deportation orders, and I would say 20% probably have deportation orders, so you probably have 240,000 El Salvadorans and Hondurans that would have to go through the deportation process, many of whom have kids, many of whom thus could apply for this relief and deportation process. So this idea that almost a half a million people are going to have to leave the country in the next 18 to 24 months because Trump ended protected Texas status is really a myth because you're going to put them into an already overloaded immigration court system uh, that is simply going to take years to resolve their cases, and some of them will get the say. Many of them, David, if they were smart, while they had TPS, they obtained a travel document, and that travel document allowed them to leave and come back into the U.S. legally. And because many of them have kids, and, many, and all of them have been here for almost 20 years, some of those kids are turning 21. So if they have a kid who turns 21 at any time in the next four or five years, and they have a legal entry, they're going to get a green card in the United States. Just through the normal immigration process, if Trump doesn't end that process again, that's why they want to end the family-based immigration program, so they can stop people from getting legal status, many of whom have lived in the U.S. for over half their lives, and and legally under temporary protected status, contributed to the economy, paying taxes, etc. So that virtual wall is going up as part of that process, and that's a wall that the eugenics movement is very happy to have happen. They want. Trump to do that. Now, what they argue is, hey, we're just upholding the laws and preserving American jobs. But there's no actual proof that that's actually happening, that immigrants like TPS people are taking American jobs. I had a conversation yesterday, David, with a, young, with a man and his wife. They were in their early 40s. Uh, they were both on TPS, and they had come here in their late teens, both of them. They would met here in the U.S. and they have a they have a child who's their oldest child is like 15 years old, and they he owns a concrete foundation business. And I said, uh, tell me about that. Tell me about the business. He said, well, right now it's fantastic. I mean, business is booming. Uh, there's not enough people to do the work. Uh, he says, I I learned this business when as a new immigrant 20 years ago because I was in labor. I went out and I literally you know the concrete work is heavy, hard work and I'd move those forms and I'd pour the concrete and I I learned how to do that. Then I learned how to speak English and then I learned how to estimate projects and then finally I decided about five years ago, why am I working for somebody else? So I started my own business. The man lives in a half a million dollar home. Uh, He's got he lives in a great area. Uh, His kids are, he's got three U.S. innocent kids the oldest is 15. You know as, as American as you and I are uh, and him and his wife are now talking to me about how will they sell their business? How will they survive in El Salvador? When can they come back with their kids? Uh, how are their kids going to have to go down there? They're going to get kidnapped. They're going to get killed by the gangs. And yet this is a couple that has done everything they were asked to do. They made one mistake that came in illegally, but everything else they've done has been by the book. And we're going to say, no, you need to get out of here. Uh, that, that's the human part of these stories, that's the human part of immigration. He employs twenty five men. All men, of course. I mean women don't want to do this job, it's really sucky. Uh, and he says, look, everybody who works for me is legal. Everybody's got everybody's done an I nine, everybody who works for me is legal. He says, I can't find people to work. I cannot tell you how hard it is to find people to work. I haven't been able to hire an actual white person or a black person in four years. I literally, literally, I can't find any to work for me. Not that they won't work for Latinos. They literally, there aren't any. They don't, It's work is too physical hard. So what will happen if, um, all Latinos left? He said, well, construction would stop. Construction would literally just stop. Um, and it would just become, you know, life becomes difficult. Uh, so I see that, but that's, that's the consequence of what these anti-immigration people are really talking about, uh, and it, it, it's really found they found their home. They've literally been embedded in the agencies at USCIS, at ICE, at CBP. They've been embedded there, and their their legacy will last far beyond the time that Trump is president, because this idea that they're it's going to continue. And you know, one of the things that drives people like that, David, is that by 2050. America will no longer have a majority, single, racial, or ethnic majority. I mean, it won't be any anything whites will not be a majority, blacks won't be a majority. It'll, it'll be truly a hodgepodge of races in the United States. And that bothers a lot of people. That bothers a lot of people. Um, but at the same time, America can be stronger than it's ever been. I was reading an article last night. It was really fascinating about the history of immigration. And um, and they they did it in in the context of these of these curves, and they divided it by race. And you see early on, you go back to the early part of the the the, the, eight, the late seventeen hundreds, and you see ninety percent of people coming in are from Northern Europe, mostly uh, English and Brits. Um, and you see their part of the curve shrink down to a small percentage, um, and then you see. African black, mostly slave, immigra- you know, forced immigration come, and that's that's grown a little bit over time. And then you see this little tiny sliver of of Asia, which has grown a little bit over time. And you see this little tiny sliver of, of Latino Hispanic immigration, which has grown much bigger over time. Um, and yet, there's not a period in the U.S. history where we have become a poorer country. There's not a period in U.S. history where we have backslid. There's not a, history, there's not a period in, the US, uh, in the U.S. history where immigration has caused economic detriment. None. This literally doesn't happen. There's no economic evidence of it. And yet you hear the, the rationale that a lot of these eugenics people talk about is that immigration is causing America to decline when it's, it's just simply factually not true. Just factually not true. Um, now, one of the things that's going on as part of this whole eugenics movement, you have Stephen Miller, who's still the key aide to, uh, to Trump, this 32-year-old uh, uh, snot-faced kid from Malibu, California, who is finding ways to shrink the immigration system by li- doing it call it a bottom-up review of policies to find dangerous loopholes, outdated laws easily exploited vulnerabilities in our system and policies harming our country. That's how they view our immigration system. The first step that Trump did, because he has authority to do it, was to cut the number of refugees from 110,000 to 45,000, which is the lowest level since before Reagan right Carter was president, when we were a much smaller country at the time. Um, and to implement this thing called extreme vetting. Extreme vetting is a, uh, is a euphemism uh for excluding people um you know it can use any reason to exclude people from the United States uh, extreme vetting is no different than the vetting that they have done before but they what they do now is they view potential non-immigrants and immigrants in the context of Um, we would take jobs from Americans will you hurt America and they have actually contracted out a program we're going to talk about in the next segment a program to try to use social media to determine whether you can be a net contributor to the U.S. economy David, is there anything in your social media that would suggest that you would be a net contributor to the U.S. economy Uh, and yet ICE wants what is basically AI to get that done um, you see um, these ideas. You see the DACA program, uh, which now only has six hundred ninety thousand kids, and not eight hundred thousand kids, which had it, which had it its max. And you see the Trump administration doing nothing to try to get a DACA relief bill passed. Nothing to get that passed. You see ICE's arrests up by forty percent this year. Forty that. percent—that's a huge increase. Still lower than Obama in 2014. Still lower, um, but in context, it seems a lot higher. And Trump Trump wanted the ISIS staff double by 2023. Congress said, "No, we're not. Gonna, we're not going to double ISIS staff by 2023." Um, and but ICE has now announced new workplace raids. They're going to be raids. They're going to be doing. Um, and so you see this virtual wall coming, this virtual process coming up. Um, And uh, it uh, it is something that we as a country should be very worried about. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web
4: Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado, con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración. Conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Uh, the, uh, the America's Web Radio, the Immigration Hour. David, I got confused about that for a second there, um, about where we were and what we were doing. Um, and uh, recently, ICE announced a, a, a proposal to. Um, uh, to uh, the, the community out there, the IT community, uh, to uh, uh, get a, a, a program, a logarithm, uh, so they could vet um, uh, people as potential immigrants to the United States. Now, what I don't understand first is uh, why ICE is doing this program and not the Department of State. Unless ICE is now in charge of the Department of State's visa issuance process, um, and uh, I, uh, it is going to be interesting. That the article itself was fascinating because initially, uh, when this information came out, uh, the uh, this social media stuff uh, was. Uh, well, let I me mean, tell you. This is what ICE did. ICE is asking tech companies to develop software that will allow the government to track the social media postings of visa holders from some Muslim countries, um, but really they're, they're going to target out to everybody. Uh, so here's what this said. Louis Roddy, who is the deputy assistant director of ICE, um, said this: the agency needs a tool equipped with race-based matrices to predict dangers posed by visa holders with the social media of those considered a threat under continuous surveillance throughout their stay in the U.S. We have millions and millions of people coming every year and subsequently departing, so we have to be smart about it, he told a room full of representatives from Microsoft, Accenture, Deloitte, and Motorola. And I'm sure there are tools out there that can help. So here's what they wanted to do. ICE's online monitoring of public social medias would be large-scale and nonstop. Everything we're dealing with is in books. We need batch vetting capabilities for any of the processes that we have. Um, this, is, um, this is actually quite stunning. Uh, this is uh, called Visa Lifecycle Vetting is what they call this, Visa Lifecycle Vetting. Um, and uh, Think about this, David. A continuous tool that monitors everybody's risk of committing a crime. There was a movie about this, wasn't there? Didn't Tom Cruise do a movie about this? Uh, I think this is called Minority Report, and they had to use psychics. But no, they don't need psychics. Now they actually just need software uh, uh, that will vet people. Uh, this is, uh, um, this is uh, dangerous. Dangerous. So what do, what do I tell – what do we tell as lawyers? What do we tell people to our clients? Uh, eliminate, erase your social media before you apply for a visa. No, that's not going to work. Uh, be careful who the friends of your friends of your friends are. So don't friend somebody you don't know. You never know who they're friends with. Uh, and so uh, it, is, it is really kind of crazy. It is really kind of crazy. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's something that overall – is going to be very... Uh, have, have a long-lasting impact. Once you, David, once you set up a system that does this, did that system ever go away? Uh. <laughs> no, no. Is there ever been a government program that went away? No. So this is, while this is being set up under the eugenics people in the Trump administration, it is not anything that will ever disappear. Never disappear. Um, and uh, so the question is, how will future administrations, uh, how will the Pence administration, how will the Warren administration, how will the Sanders administration, how will the Biden, you're, you're a good guy, Biden administration, deal with this? Uh, will they eliminate these programs? Will they set them aside? Uh, you know, can you imagine, David, the program is not going to catch anybody. This reminds me of uh, the Bush administration. Uh, shortly after 9-11, created what was called the NSEERS program. Uh, The NSEERS program was put into place by Chris Kobach, who at the time was a deputy assistant attorney general. (laughs) And it was designed to, what it required was every person, every male between the ages of 14 and 65, who had entered the U.S. with a visa and was still in the U.S. from one of 36 countries, you can guess which ones these are, had to come into INS, and then ICE, after it changed, and report. And you had to turn over your social media information, your credit cards. uh, You had to go through a background check. And many were undocumented and got put into deportation proceedings. That was their extreme betting under NSEERS. That program literally, and the idea was they were going to find more hijackers, more bad people, more potential terrorists not a single actionable piece of intelligence came out of that massive program not a single piece of intelligence do you really think any single piece of intelligence will come out of this no but it justifies under massive government program a massive government program that is literally involved in the day to day life of people it's not going away, is it, David? It's not going away. This is fear. We talked about early on in our program. This is fear. This is what fear does: is it gets you to do crazy things like this, sci-fi type of things. This guy's have been watching a little too much of the Sci-Fi Channel. <laughs> a little too much of the Sci-Fi Channel, um, and it's uh, it's something that uh, is uh, just going to get more and more difficult as time goes on. Now another thing that the Trump administration did to to build a virtual wall David is this about 15 years ago under President Bush um, they decided that there was no need to interview people for green cards who were immigrating through employment based processes because they had already gone through a vetting process they had gone through a background check uh, and what was the purpose of interviewing them I mean, they can literally process them on paper. Uh, and that, what that did is that freed up people, uh, the officers, to focus on higher fraud type of cases, um, family-based cases, that kind of thing, uh, marriage cases, family-based cases. So they only be, for the last 15 years, they've really only been interviewing family-based immigrants. They did, they always had a random sample of employment based people they would interview, or if there was an indicia of fraud, something pops up, they would interview that that that, that person. But generally speaking, they didn't interview family-based cases, employment-based cases. So the Trump administration announced three weeks ago, we are now going to interview every green card applicant, regardless of how they're getting it. But they are not augmenting staff. So Every year, there's about 150,000 green card people through employment. That's it. That's all they really are through employment, 150,000. Um, then add that to the system that already interviews 700,000 people a year through family-based, or probably a million, million and a half people a year because they also have naturalization cases that are all interviewed. How much of a delay do you think it's going to cause? Now, here's what's interesting. They are considering the employment-based interviews as a priority over family-based immigration and naturalization, and they're being done by the same people who have been given an entire day of training on employment-based – yes, David, an entire day. No, wait a second. That's wrong. It was a two-hour PowerPoint webinar. They had a two-hour webinar on doing employment-based adjustment cases. Don't worry David. They were told you're not to dig into the employment base of just interview them as a regular person. But if you suspect there's an issue, of course David, you can go a deep dive on their employment based application. Now, why would they consider those a priority and not naturalization? I will tell you why in case you don't know. Because the Trump administration believes that the vast majority of people that are naturalizing today will vote against him. That's probably true. So, why would you rush to make them citizens? Hmm? Hmm? There is a reason, there's a method and a reason behind the madness that is the Trump administration. But now you're talking, so if you go back to the early 2000s when they were interviewing David... Marriage-based cases in Atlanta were taking three to four years to be interviewed. I had people literally file for a green card, get divorced, get remarried, refile their case, and then get called for the interview on their first application. So that's what you're looking at, long, lengthy delays. The other thing, David, is if, the, if what is the purpose of interviewing you other than to find out whether you are inadmissible, whether you're not eligible. So, I, a client, a corporate client, yesterday emailed me and said, "Hey, you know, Mister Mr. Jones from South Africa is going for his green card interview. What do you suggest we do?" And I said, "You need a lawyer." I said, "Why do you need a lawyer at the interview?" I said, "Would you walk into a police interrogation without a lawyer?" No. Why do you think this is any different? This is no different than a police interrogation. They have a specific goal in mind, and that is to find out whether they should deny your case. Their goal isn't to grant your case. Their goal is to see whether you should be denied your case. It's a negative intent in, in, in the interviewer's part. And so, why shouldn't you have a lawyer there to protect you and your rights? And when they looked at it that way, they went, "Oh my gosh, we've got to have lawyers of in these interviews." Oh yes, you have to have lawyers of in these interviews. Um, it harkens back to that uh, poster from the X Files that Mulder would put that Mulder had up. Trust no one. <laughs> trust no one. Certainly don't trust the immigration I mean, you and I, David, have watched countless episodes of uh, SUV Law & Order, uh, or just the regular Law & Order when it was on the air. And what was always the big finale of the show before the court hearing? The cop in the first half, the big finale of the first half is somebody's in an interrogation room without their lawyer, and they just confess everything. Right? that's just how it works, right? Because that's what happens. You don't have a lawyer. You just start. You start blabbing your mouth open, and so that's what they they hope happens here. It's going to be an opportunity for them to uh, uh, find ways to deny people immigration status, uh, and uh, it is going to be just another reason uh, to make immigration lawyers great again. That's what Trump's doing. He's making immigration lawyers great again. Um, And so we've got all these little tidbits like bricks in the wall going up uh, so that there is um, uh, a program uh, in place where Trump does not have to change U.S. immigration laws but can make it very difficult for people to actually immigrate to the United States using our current laws. I fought against some of these enactment of some of these anti-immigration laws back in 1996, which is the last time that the eugenics people had a voice in Congress in which they could pass legislation. Uh, Today, the focus is on, with the uh, Tillis-Purdue bill, to eliminate uh, uh, legal immigration to America and to replace it with a... uh, uh, a, uh, a bill or a law that really limits immigration to single people from Europe uh, who are between the ages of 25 and 31 who have a PhD or a master's degree virtually everybody else can be almost impossible to immigrate they want to eliminate sponsoring your parents you never bring your parents here to immigrate to America you can't bring your siblings you can't bring your adult children uh, so why would you immigrate I mean, America has always been a family-based immigration country. And while I believe that right now we are a little skewed towards family, we can fix that. We need more, we do need more employment-based immigrants, but we don't need to sacrifice family on that altar. Uh, and it still leaves wide open the biggest giant loophole of all, uh, which is marriage. You're never going to be able to stop a U.S. citizen from marrying a foreign national. And that's over 500,000 people a year that immigrate through their spouse to the United States. That will just become uh, the passage uh, by with which people immigrate to the United States. Um, but I, I, for one thing I am grateful for Donald Trump is he has allowed us to see the true color of people in Congress and even those on our own Facebook pages for what they really are for what they really talk about, uh, for what they really uh, mean to America and how bad they are for our country. Let's take our final break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio.
4: Soy Charles Cook abogado y jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Llámenos hoy si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, si ha sido arrestado, si se casó con un ciudadano o tiene una oferta de trabajo. Nosotros le podemos ayudar. También podemos explicar... ¿Qué puedes hacer para recibir los beneficios de inmigración? Llámenos hoy a las 404-816861. 404-816-861 o visitenos por el internet at ww.immigration.net.
0: Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on America's WebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays
1: at 2. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: All right, David, uh, we're here on the Immigration Hour, uh, which is possibly the most listened to podcast on immigration in, in the known universe uh, that we're aware of. Right, that we're aware of. Uh, might be other universes that also listen to it, but we just we don't know at this point. Uh, maybe in a million years they will be listening to this as it's broadcast into the ether sphere.
2: <laughs> That's sort of like stoning.
1: Stonehenge, yes. Maybe that's a giant radio telescope. We just can't figure out how it works yet. So, we have the DREAM Act, which has been sponsored by uh, uh, Dick Durbin and your favorite Republican, Lindsey Graham. Uh, Mr. Lindsey Graham? John Stewart did the best impression of him ever. (laughs) Ever. I I really miss John Stewart right now. Um, So, they they introduced this bill right after DACA was eliminated, and uh, yesterday um, they were talking about, well, I guess it was a Sunday, uh, that they believe it could be part of a bipartisan coalition to pass the legislation to increase border security and legalize these kids by the end of the year. That's, they're trying to push it. Now, December, we've got three big things coming up. We've got the tax bill. Uh, now, David, do you, have you figured out whether you're getting a tax increase or a tax decrease in this bill? I guess your massive estate won't be taxed at all if you die, which is great not for you, because you'd be dead, Um, and so it'd be great for your heirs. Who are you talking to? Your massive estate. You're the the owner of this extraordinary radio empire. In fact, I heard the Koch brothers are coming to buy you out for billions of dollars. Oh, Oh, Wait a second, that was Time Magazine. Sorry, I get you confused (laughs) with Time Magazine, (laughs) David. Meredith or whatever? Yeah, yeah, Meredith. uh, um, So We've got the tax bill, which looks like it probably will pass because they can buy off Ron Johnson and the uh, the the Daines guy by just doing some more budget shenanigans. Although I have to tell you, I would just love to see Corker, McCain, and Flake say, "No, have a nice day." I would I, I would love to see them as they walk out the door, kind of like dropping your drawers and, and mooning them. We're taking a mic, He just boom, mic drop, we're out of here, done. I, I would just love to see that happen. There are cle- we are clearly in need of tax reform. Um, and I don't know enough about this bill to tell you whether it should pass or not. But I do know it increases the deficit, which is something we should not be doing. We should not be putting our kids in greater debt. Um, so there's that. That's got to pass. And they only have 12 days, well, 11 days left now in the fiscal year, In the rest of this year. On December 8th, which is only, if I do my math right, 10 days from today, uh, they have to pass a budget or a resolution to continue to the government. they got to do one of the two, right? Well, there is no budget. Did I, did, are you aware of a budget? I don't know where aware of a budget. So they got to do a continuing resolution. So the question is, does Dick Derman and Lindsey Graham and the rest of the Democrats have the, as my friends would say, the huevos to say, no, we will shut the government down unless you attach the DREAM Act to it. And you are right. They do not have those. The cojones are faltando. They're lacking the cojones. They don't have any, as my friend Vincente Fox would say. By the way, a very funny Twitter feed, if you're ever in the mood for following Twitter, follow Vincente Fox, who apparently does not like Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Um, And... uh, so it's not going to be part. The Democrats will not shut down the government over it. So when is it going to pass? They want to pass by the end of the year. There's only 11 days left. There's only I don't know how many legislative days there are until December 8th. There's probably four, five, probably six. So when are the rest of the days? It passes at Christmas time. I, I just don't see this happening. I, David, I think they're going to let the DACA kids wither on the vine, and. I will tell you, if DACA, if the DREAM Act requires us to eliminate legal immigration, if it requires us to end refugees, if it requires us to not let DACA kids get green card citizenship for 15 years, I would, I would rather DACA We just take our chances next year, take our chances in 2018. Uh, because it is, it, you're talking about 700,000 kids. Will you sacrifice on that altar the tens of millions that will immigrate over the next 20 to 30 years? Because that's what you're talking about, the trade-off. Will you el- eliminate legal immigration for six, six or 700,000 green cards now? I-, I think most of the dreamers, if they said, look, you'll never be able to immigrate your parents. They can't ever come. What? They're gonna get, they will get deported. I think most of them would just say, no, I'll take my chances. They're not going to trade their family for a green card. They're just not. I know too many of them. They just won't. Uh, so we've got this; these guys saying this, and I, I think it's a false hope. I, there's no doubt in my mind if they put the DREAM Act on the floor of the House and Senate today, it passes. It'll pass the House with 300 votes. There's 100 Republicans that will vote for it. No, no doubt about it. There's 70 or 80 Demo- uh, senators that will vote for it. If they just put it on the floor. The question is, Do they have? does the leadership have the guts to do that? Are they too afraid of pissing off that minority? And the answer is yes. They are too afraid. They don't have the guts to do it. And I don't think we're going to see the DREAM Act this year, which is a tragedy. But I think it's more reality than any of us want to deal with. Um, and, you know, they're talking about adding uh, this end-of-the-year bill where they're going to add money for... Border enforcement, okay. I, I don't really care. They want to waste a billion dollars on the wall. Whatever. It's it's irrelevant. It's not. I. We shouldn't have illegal immigration because we should have a legal immigration system that works. But if you eliminate legal immigration, you don't think that's going to increase illegal immigration? It absolutely will. It's a guaranteed thing. Uh, so uh, I, I just you know, I see these bits of these wall going up. I see this window they're trying to put in the wall. They're trying to close the door in the wall. Uh, The Trump administration has made massive changes to immigration law without changing immigration law. It has been a wildly effective... Probably, David, I can't think of any other area, any other area in which Trump has had more success than in immigration. He certainly hasn't had it in health care. By the way, have you read that the, they have the highest level of enrollment in health care in, in, on the exchange since, like, the first year, this year? So the Trump administration is purposely not doing any pushing for it, no ads for it, and enrollment's way up. I, I'm curious. As to, I would love to know why, but it's way up. So no help in health care. Um, he he's basically destroyed the State Department. Um, but immigration appears to be the place he's had the greatest level of success. And when you think about immigrants, David, it's true that 14% of Americans today are, are immigrants, either first or either first – first are immigrants or first-generation Americans. Um, and that's a big percentage. It's, it's almost as big as we had in, in the teens. Um, and certainly by numbers-wise, it's the largest number we've ever had. But at the same time, America is stronger because of it. And we see the Trump administration trying to sell – the 33 percent, the story that they are suffering because of immigrants, that they don't have jobs in the coal mines because of immigrants, um, that they don't have IT jobs because of immigrants, that they don't have accounting jobs because of immigrants, that they don't have day laborer jobs because of immigrants. And none of that's true. It's just, just fact, not true. And I think what we've learned from the Trump administration is that facts, truth, is irrelevant, just irrelevant? Uh, you know this thing that Trump posted yesterday about uh, a contest to see about the fake news, but excluding Fox News. Fox News is as fake as any of them. If there's such a thing as fake news, uh, and to denigrate reporters, some of whom are my friends, for the work they do, is just outrageous. You know, it's it's only fake news when it when it brings to light the things that you've done that are bad, uh, and it's not fake news when it supports you. Um, we have a very dangerous president sitting in the White House, and it's dangerous to the country from an immigration perspective. Uh, but I will tell you that at the end at the end of his term, not only will he be viewed as right next to U.S. Grant as possibly one of the worst U.S. presidents, uh, but we will be a stronger country for having engaged in the fight and the debate and the argument. We will come out of this stronger because we were forced to look at our own shortcomings uh, for how we could put a person like that in the most powerful office in the land. Uh, it is something that I wake up every morning, David, and cannot believe that Donald Trump is the president of the United States. It's 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 it seems to be a reality show in a dream because it doesn't make any sense from a political point of view. Um, Next week, Dave, we're going to talk about the State Department and what uh, Donald Trump's done there and how that's impacted uh, our, ne- our international standing uh, and how countries look at this. David, we only have two more shows this year. Um, yes, only two more shows this year because I'll be gone the last two Tuesdays of December. Uh, I'll I, For my first time in my adult life, I'm taking a two-week vacation. Two full weeks. Now I know you do these all the time, David, but I have two full weeks out of the office. uh, And I will be on a cruise in Southeast Asia. So I will be unreachable, undoable. So we have two more shows left this year. Trying to get a guest for our last show of the year, kind of a surprise guest for the last show of the year. uh, Because it will probably talk about uh, what has happened on the DREAM Act. We will know by then and to see whether that passed or not. So, David, uh, that's it for this week. Uh, next, we'll be back on the Immigration on America's Web Radio. Tell your friends about it if you have any questions. Again, if you have any complaints, send them to david at americaswebradio.com. If you have any praise, send it to chuck at immigration.net. we we'll talk to you later. Have a great week.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
5: Field books. There is a difference, and the difference is made in the USA by family-owned and operated Bogside Publishing in New Hampshire. For over 38 years, the family business has produced the finest, most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable field books in the land surveying and engineering industry. Demand the best from your supplier Bogside Publishing Field Books.
3: Understanding health insurance is becoming more challenging. If you currently have insurance, you've probably noticed that it costs more to see your doctor. And if you're able to keep your doctor, it takes longer to get an appointment. The bad news is this trend is projected to continue. Your costs will likely continue to rise, while your health care choice and access will continue to fall. The good news is Peachtree ENT Center has the answer to this problem. We believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. We are committed to working with you, and we specialize in providing affordable care for patients without insurance, those who are underinsured, and those with high deductibles or catastrophic coverage, and we offer same-day appointments. You no longer have to choose between staying healthy and paying bills because Peachtree e and Center is where patient care counts. You're listening
0: to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for
2: listening. Oh,
3: well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm glad you could join me. I hope you'll encourage your friends. And-